I thank God for all who have led us in worship, our choir, our musicians have led us so beautifully today. Thank God for all of you who are worshiping with us online, as well as those of you who are worshiping with us in person here. We're in a sermon series called Songs of the Season. We're looking at four songs in Luke chapters 1 through 2. Today, I want to draw your attention to the angels' song recorded in Luke chapter 2. I'll read verses 13 through 14 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of today's sermon is A Lot to Believe in, the Angels' Song. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. In my own day-to-day -day faith, I don't think about angels very much. I have never seen an angel. I don't pray for angels to guard me or guide me. I just don't emphasize angels in my daily spiritual walk. I had a theology professor once who said, if you have a strong understanding of the Holy Spirit, you don't need a strong understanding of angels. But you know, this time of year, we can hardly do anything without angels. There are angels in manger scenes, angels on Christmas trees, angels on Christmas cards, angels on church bulletins. There are porcelain angels, paper angels, wood-carved angels, Thomas Kincaid angels. And the songs of the season we sing won't quit talking about angels. We sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, angels from the realms of glory, angels we have heard on high. The first Noel, the angel did say, fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices. Maybe on Christmas Eve we should all have angel hair pasta for dinner, an angel food cake for dessert, and then sit down and watch uh, angels in the outfield. Of course, our angel frenzy each December makes perfect sense from a biblical perspective. According to the Gospels, an angel visited Mary to tell her Jesus would be born. An angel visited Joseph to tell him Jesus would be born. And angels also visited the shepherds to tell them about the Savior's birth. All of this raises a very real question. 
Do we believe in angels? We put them on our Christmas trees. We sing about them this time of year. We read about them in the Holy Scripture. But do we believe angels are real? There's a lady I knew in my hometown who pastored a small charismatic church. She said she saw angels. She would tell my mom and dad about her angel sightings. And sometimes she would tell me. To be transparent, part of me believed her stories about seeing angels and part of me doubted her frequent angel encounters. When I was pastoring in Tennessee, there were a couple of different times when someone brought me a photograph featuring a a bright spot of radiant light in it and they pointed to it and said, Pastor, see right there? That was the angel." And I honestly couldn't tell whether it was an angel or a glare. I confess that too much talk of angels sparks my scrutiny. But I do believe angels exist. I tend to emphasize God's presence and work in the world through the Holy Spirit. But I do believe angels are real. When I was pastoring in North Carolina, a member of our church in his 30s named Daniel suffered a massive heart attack one Sunday after worship. They rushed him to the hospital as quickly as they could. The doctors made his wife and his brother wait out in the hallway while they tried to save his life. Well, his wife and his brother were praying fervently in the hallway when a stranger joined them and prayed with them momentarily. They heard his voice praying alongside their voices. And the voice said that Daniel was going to be okay. They continued praying hard out there in the hospital hallway. And eventually the nurse came out and said, Daniel is awake and he wants to see you. His wife and his brother said, Hey, did you see the man who came by and prayed with us briefly? But the nurse hadn't seen anybody. Later, they asked around further and discovered that nobody else had seen this mysterious visitor who had prayed with them momentarily. The surgeons had performed emergency surgery to repair a 100% blockage in Daniel's widow-maker artery. But after that, he was okay, just as the voice had said he would be. His wife and his brother are Christian people, rational people, and they are totally convinced that an angel visited them that day in the hospital hallway. I believe that's exactly what happened. Every now and then, God sends angels to bring comfort and good news. That's basically what happens in Luke chapter 2. An angel appears to the shepherds and tells them the good news of Christ's birth. Then a lot more angels show up and sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth 
peace among those whom he favors. The phrase about those whom God favors does not mean God favors some people and doesn't favor others. Luke is as clear as any New Testament writer that Christ came to be the Savior of Jews and Gentiles, that Christ came to be the Savior of the entire world. The angels tell of God's favor because it was the unmerited favor of God toward humanity that sponsored the divine gift of the Savior that night. In other words, the angels declared God's grace, not just to some people, but to all people. As they sang about divine grace, they also announced peace on earth. Here we see that grace is the origin of the gospel and peace is the outcome. That's why Paul starts all of his letters by saying grace to you and peace. The grace of God brings peace for people. The peace the angels declare includes peace between God and humanity. It includes peace in the believer's heart. Yet the peace Christ came to bring is even bigger than that. He came to bring what the Old Testament calls shalom. Shalom is a concept of peace involving not only the absence of conflict, but also the presence of justice, righteousness, wholeness, and total well-being for the human community. This stands in stark contrast to the Pax Romana, the so-called peace of Rome. In those days, Caesar brought peace by violently subjugating anybody in his way. The Pax Romana essentially amounted to forced pacification through military domination. But Christ came to bring a put-away-the-sword kind of peace. Christ came to bring a love-your-neighbors kind of peace. Christ came to bring a love-your-enemies kind of peace. Christ came to bring a turn-the-other-cheek kind of peace. Christ came to bring a be-at-peace-with-one-another kind of peace. Christ came to bring a transcends-all-understanding kind of peace. The peace the angels declare is a God-given shalom through Christ, a peace that infuses hearts and permeates communities, a peace intended to pervade the entire earth. Some years ago, my wife Dana and I visited my brother Rick in Japan, where he lives, and he took us to worship at his church while we were there. We enjoyed the Bible study hour and we enjoyed the worship service, but we were a little disappointed that we didn't get to meet his pastor. You see, his pastor had traveled to the Middle East that week to join a group of other pastors working and witnessing for peace there. He had intentionally flown 
to a war-torn country to offer a witness of peace in the name of Jesus Christ. When I first heard where the pastor was, to be transparent, I thought to myself, that is so admirable, but witnessing for peace like that is a real long shot. For some reason, talk of peace on earth can spark my scrutiny. Maybe because peace on earth has become a cliche of sorts. Even when I hear the angels preaching peace in Luke Two, I almost immediately jump to all the reasons why peace seems unfeasible. Come on, angels. Have y'all seen the contentiousness and conflict down here? Maybe you mean glory to God and peace in heaven. Maybe you mean glory to God and peace in our hearts. But glory to God and peace on earth? Have y'all seen the headlines lately? Volunteer fighters raise stakes in Ethiopia's conflict. Uganda begins strikes against militants in Congo. Ukraine commanders say a Russian invasion would overwhelm them. Anger spreads in northeastern India after security forces kill 14 civilians. Fatalities reported after military truck rams protesters in Myanmar. Woman killed by stray bullet outside far north Dallas apartment. Michigan teen charged in Oxford High School shooting. Although talk of peace on earth can draw my scrutiny. I do believe in peace on earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, said the Lord Jesus. I believe Christians are called to practice and promote peace, and I do believe peace on earth is a possibility despite the reality of conflict. It makes me think about a battlefield in Belgium during World War I. On Christmas Eve in 1914, a group of German troops began decorating the area around their trenches for Christmas. They put candles on trees and they sang Silent Night. The British troops on the other side of the battlefield responded by singing English Christmas carols. Then the two groups exchanged Christmas greetings, and they agreed to an impromptu Christmas truce. These two sides who had been trying to kill each other just moments before then met together in the no-man's land between their trenches and started hanging out. They exchanged gifts with one another, including cigars, and they basically partied together. For several hours, the sound of gunfire was silenced, and the sounds of fellowship filled the air. Both sides took time to give fallen comrades proper funerals. And at one of the funerals, they read the 23rd Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, right there on the battlefield. It's even reported 
that they played a friendly game of soccer. This unofficial truce was inspired by the season of Christmas and the infant Savior who came to help us walk in the way of peace. Of course, the fighting resumed after a while. The higher-ups never liked the truce anyhow. But this is hard evidence that peace on earth is possible. Some might say this story is the exception, but does it have to be? It might be more realistic to critique the notion of peace on earth than to believe in it, but this might also represent a feeble imagination, even a reduced sort of faith. And it might sound more sophisticated to speak in theological terms that preclude angels, but this might also represent a lack of imagination, even a reduced sort of faith. Sometimes our problem as Christians is not that we naively believe too much, but that we fearfully believe too little. After all, I've never met a child who wouldn't embrace talk of angels and peace on earth. Children's imaginations are raw, unhindered, dynamic. Their sense of what is possible has not yet been downsized by the hyper-realism of the grown-up world. The Christmas story seeks to awaken us to divine possibilities that stretch well beyond the limitations we have imposed on the gospel. In the Christmas story, angels from heaven and peace on earth go together. In the Christmas story, a sense of the supernatural and a vision of social shalom go hand in hand. And they both emanate from the newborn Savior in Bethlehem's manger. You know, when the shepherds got there, when the shepherds got to the manger, they told Mary and Joseph, about their angel sightings. They told Mary and Joseph that angels had appeared to them and had proclaimed the birth of Christ and the grace of God and peace on earth. I tend to scrutinize too much talk about angels and, and peace on earth, but do you know what Mary did with the words the shepherds told her? Verse 19 says, She treasured them. It also says she pondered them in her heart. She contemplated them. She reflected on them. She mulled them over. She maybe even scrutinized them. And that's very important. But first, Mary treasured their words. The gospel is to be treasured before it is scrutinized. The gospel is to be adored before it is 
analyzed. The gospel is to be cherished before it is contemplated. The gospel is to be prized before it is pondered. The gospel is to be esteemed before it is examined. The gospel is to be honored before it is investigated. Angels singing divine grace, peace on earth. The Savior is born. It's a lot to believe in, I know. But let's believe it all. Let's believe it all. Let's believe every single bit of it. Amen.